The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello from Burbank, California. Thank you for joining us once again. Another episode of Write That Down this week on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Justin Nipper. I edit for FightGameMedia.com. I write on WrestlingObserver.com. I also work for Pro Wrestling No and Cyber Fight. And this week I'm back again with Japan's leading pro wrestling author and sociologist and historian, broadcast journalist, all-around fantastic fellow, Mr. Fumi Saito. This week, finally, we got to cover Kenta Kobashi. We went over his entire career, talked about his struggles early on fitting in with such a packed roster filled with wrestlers who had prestigious amateur wrestling backgrounds, sumo backgrounds, whereas Kobashi would come in to All Japan Pro Wrestling purely out of passion for pro wrestling. I think he's arguably pro wrestling's best baby face of all time. There's an argument to be made for sure. But if you've been listening to the show for a while... This one's been a long time coming, and it was fun to do, so enjoy it like we did. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you usually listen to your podcasts, because it helps us out very much. Without further ado, oh, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Before we get started, enjoy this over your break. But yeah, let's get into it. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Kenta Kobashi Day. Okay, so today, Kenta Kobashi, I mean, 
we're trying to we, we, if you had to rank him among the four of the top four from that all Japan we were talking about, it's hard to rank him and compare him with Misawa and Kawada because of his background. That's one of the first things you have to factor in when you're comparing him with the others from old Japan at that time. Misawa, the high school champion, Kawada, high school champion. Of course, Akira Taue uh, as a, a, as Tamakirin, that uh, big-time sumo wrestler. Mm. And and uh, even Tsuyoshi Kikuchi, he was high school amateur champion. Mm. Yeah. And later, Akiyama, Jun Akiyama was With like... The college that. champion, yeah. So he, he, even though he was a big, athletic, good-looking guy who wanted to wrestle he didn't have the i guess the exact background they were looking for what baba was looking for yeah mm. same story with people like you know yoshinari ogawa mm -hmm. you know he played baseball and he realized that first year in bob mr and mrs baba would pick who's gonna be starting who's not gonna be mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying that's yeah. like devastating for rookie to look at you know what i'm saying sure like, Oh wow! I, I'm gonna be around, but they're not gonna push me, right? Or mm. something like that. So, uh, against all odds, yes, Kenta Kobashi became much, much bigger star than than the company expected. Mm -hmm. That this is a real big a success story right there. He and also, to, he had to fight yeah. a lot more than yeah. I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. And also, we talk about big four. Well, we can go through that. There's, you know, four pillars of heaven story too. But the shtenno is Japanese word for it. Four big ones. She four ten heaven. Uh, no is like a king. Uh, so that's how they translate three different kanji and put together the pillar, uh, the heaven. Hmm? What was that? Pillar pillars of heaven. He four, four pillars of four heaven, pillars of heaven. The heavenly yeah. kings. It's. It's hard to describe if you don't. It's about it's rooted uh, Shtenno in. Shtenno is one word, you know. Shten, yeah. and, and it's it's from a, a more uh, Asian Buddhist background. Yeah, yeah. So it's like nothing to do is this heaven yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean it's he it's heaven, but it's not Judeo-Christian heaven. It's it's right, right, right. But basically, it's up there. But it's more yeah. like if you. It's like saying the big four. Big four. Shtenno, it's the big four. Yeah. And it's a common word. It's not just for wrestling. No, no. This is a regular term. Shtenno. Four big ones. Yeah. And one word. Just like three, three musketeers. It's it's same yeah. idea. Just a... like a, we can say three samurai, you know, worked for the castle or something. Sure, but the, sure. Yeah. Three musketeers is another word that we use a lot. Mm. For either three or four. But this is a four big one. And you, you say Misawa. Kawada, Taue, and Kobashi, right? And they were actually like in the same age group besides Kobashi. Taue born 1961, Misawa born 1962, Kawada born 1963. But Kobashi was 1967. So it's like five years younger than other, other guys. Yeah. So he felt that too when he, when he started. Yeah, it's like his Kenta Kobashi is such a success story. So I, I don't even know where to start, but uh, um, this. Well, is let's a good talk story. about what. Well, let's talk yeah. about when he wrote. We were just talking about it before we started recording, but when yeah. he he wanted to be a pro wrestler, and he yeah. wrote a letter. Or he sent his resume to sent, sent his resume and photo to All Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm. That he felt that that he thought that 
it's how you apply for your job, right? Hmm. Sending your bio, you know, athletic resume in, in the photo, you know, like upper body Actually, photo. could you explain that a little bit? Because in Japan, the resume uh, expectations or the, the, the template for what you send out what? after college is very, it's different than... Is it, is it common? It's a little oh, bit felt, more extreme. You felt what's different, uh, in, unique to Japan? Well, you... you it, you're required to put your photo on it. That's one very different. Right. That's like, a, like almost like a discrimination now, right? Because mm-hmm. right, oh. you don't judge by the look. And it has to be like two or three pages, and it's all about um, having a lot of content on it, a lot of words, a lot of text, beefing yeah, it up like as a, much as you can. Even like a grade, what grade school you went to and yeah. what year and what month you graduated from, what junior high and what high school and this and that, right? Yeah. And uh, it's often, I mean, when it's just common in Japan, when someone graduates from university, this is what they do for the first, you know, year or two or even more for some people. You go through this resume process. Company go through these paper bio, then they'll, you know, pick pick who they want to have job interviews. Mm -hmm. So some people are not going to make job interview even. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I didn't realize that you felt was like a system and the custom was a little bit strange, huh? It's it's more rigid than I think what we're used to over in the states or maybe like on a CV in uh, UK, for example. Oh, okay, okay. Different, uh, okay. just a different format. Same idea, yeah. just different. But it's um... a common, you know, common practice and common sense kind of thing that mm-hmm. that young eighteen-year-old Kenta Kobashi. Actually, like a 19 then, because he's right after high school, he didn't think he was big enough, you know, physically that he started working for this um, big factory called Kyoto Ceramic, Kyocera, um, you know, big factory worker. And uh, he's, you know, asked, you know, factory chief or the your, your you know, factory boss that the, please buy this or the weight sets and the put up in the roof and then let's start the bodybuilding club, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was the only one pumping iron every night, every night, you know, but uh, he, um, he sent this, you know, written form of resume, redex show thing and uh, photo and uh, apply for like a rookie position, right? Mm-hmm. Just and, like any other person would apply for a job uh, after yeah, graduating, yeah. same meaning system. that he had no connection to wrestling, like mm-hmm. wrestling people inside the promoter or uh, any wrestler that he knew personally. Is he from front door knock 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 the front door that's sending a letter to all Japan office in Tokyo? Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple weeks later, he got the letter back from all Japan office. He thought it was all right, accepted, right? Mm. Then he opened the letter saying that. Uh, uh, Read read your bio, not accepted. That was the end of it. Mm. What did I do wrong, right? What did I write wrong, or what was wrong with my, like personal bio? You know, he played. uh, He was uh, all through his childhood judo and played rugby, and after high school, he you know spent whole year, you know, lifting weight and putting on weight. And uh, he was all ready to become wrestler. He quit Kyoto Ceramic, and uh, he was ready to come to Japan. You know, not to Japan, but he was ready to come to Tokyo, and to become wrestler. You know, and it wasn't that smooth. So, can you imagine how hard it is to, you know, for, you know, from kind of country boy from like a outside the Kyoto area that to call up 
all Japan office in Tokyo, you know, pick up a phone. It's before, a little bit before your cell phone, decades before the internet, right? Mm. And he actually picked up a phone and called all Japan office to ask what was the reason that he didn't even make a paper, you know, the, mm. the bio. And uh, the person answered the phone said, um, two reasons that uh, you have, you don't have very good athletic background. Mm. And number two, little bit too old. He was 20 at the time. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, like right out of high school, 18, yes. But uh, you don't have very good athletic athletic background, meaning that, the, yeah, yeah the, the jumbo, like a giant Baba, the, the, the former baseball player, major, you know, giant baseball player, jumbled through the 1972 Munich Olympics, the Tenru, the, the big, you know, su sumo star turned wrestler, um, Misawa, high school champion, Kawada, high school champion. Yeah, you do have, yeah, these, you know, like really, yeah, almost like a premier athletic amateur background, huh? Mm, especially right. at the time, especially at the time, yeah. Late when you 80s. only have like a three or four companies in Japan, all Japan, New Japan, and UWF Group, and all the yeah. top stars had that background for the most part. Right, right, and then, whether and then it was wrestling, was, sumo. Yeah, right, we thought it was normal, but it was really hard to get into business at the time, huh? Yeah, there was no direct way to get in unless mm -hmm. you knew somebody or related somebody. Yeah, um, but they think about like a young 60, uh, actually 15-year-old Atsushi Onita came right from Kyushu, Nagasaki to Baba's office and he was accepted mm. when he was 15. Probably Baba looked at it and said, you know, this, this kid had something. That's a long yeah. trip. Yeah. Very long well, trip. He, he, yeah, the 15-year-old Atsushi Onita hitchhiked from Narasaki to Tokyo. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty, um, I mean, it's... That's another story for another right. great, yeah. It's his character. Yeah? It's in his character. Yeah. It's a far... He was 15, huh? That is not, uh, I mean, Nagasaki's an island, so, I mean, it's not easy to get, it was not easy to get yeah, there. Yeah, so it's not one hitchhike, it's like a days and days, yeah. right? It's that was he that must hardcore have stood journey. By the, stood by the freeway or highway and just pointing his thumb up and said, like, Can I get a ride? You know, hmm. that's, that's what 15 year old Onita did. Anyhow, that the Kobashi called his, you know, all Japan office. It's like, that's like a big challenge, you know, picking up a phone, you know, speaking professional language, like almost like, a, May I speak to whom it may concern, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then this person said, You know, you, Okay, well, uh, we, we do have a paper here that uh, you don't have very good athletic background and you're a little bit too old to start. Mm -hmm. uh, what? What? Just, just turning 20, you know? And later on, uh, Kobashi himself told me that, you know, that the same group of rookie who, you know, started together, there are three wrestlers, Kenta Kobashi and Tsuyoshi Kikuchi, and uh, Tatsumi Kitahara, let on Koki Kitahara. Hmm. Kikuchi is two years older than Kobashi, and Kitahara was three years older than, than, than Kobashi. It's like a, that doesn't really make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. and, but they had the background uh, in, uh, in wrestling, at least uh, Kikuchi did. And also Kitahara was so, okay. instruct, instructor at the Sayama's shooting dojo. Oh, uh, okay. 
So yeah, he had that's, a, that's a good background, a striking right? background. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instructor at the Satoru Sayama's Shuto Dojo. That that's a, like a guaranteed tough guy, huh? That was also a very big dojo. There were a lot of uh, people that trained there, even if they didn't become fighters. Those classes were with you know, 50, 60 people in them, and the Shuto yeah, and was also, around the time. Kitahara must have had, had Sayama's blessing to be an instructor there. Hmm. Yeah. So Kobashi didn't have any of this coming into it. He had he had nothing uh, to taller no than either of them. He had his own. Bigger he had his yeah. He was a big dude. He had his looks. He had passion for it, but he didn't have the maybe the background they were looking for. Yeah. And then, so he tried a couple times, you know, to, to to try to get the more reasons. Can I speak with somebody that you know that you know that I can explain this to or and uh, and. After second in the phone conversation, he was told to come to this middle of nowhere house show. In 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 the the town I've never heard of, you know that it was during the during the one tour, you know that. Uh, but Mr. Baba decided to audition you, or at least meet you, you know, and come to this so and so prefecture, so and so house shows like no TVs, you know, like during the during the long tour. I mean, it's like house shows that nobody comes to. I mean, I mean, people come in locally, but, but uh, you know, you would think you would be auditioned at the Tokyo Korakuen Hall, right? Right, but these shows, they're, they're a little bit, uh, maybe less energy. Than... Yeah, in the middle of nowhere town, but the one of those nights in like, like a house shows during the school nights, right? Mm, usually at the recreation center in the town, very bright, not a dark place but like uh you know yeah the existing lights mm-hmm. or or yeah. daylight or whatever yeah but uh all right i'm i'm coming and it's like he took trains and trains and tried to look you know like uh, before google map right mm-hmm. he got to the town you know to, it was like a big test number one if all right i'm not coming to that little town right then that would be the end of it Mm. They, you know, the, the office tested you that, you know, first that the, come to this town and that's the only day Baba can meet you. And uh, he took trains and just looked at the map and it took the, another train and from train it took bus into this town and in, in a small town. But that's where he was going to meet, you know, meet Mr. Baba in person. Then he made it to town. Then uh, had audition, you know, like regular audition, like you know, Hindu squats and push up and sit ups and do. And Baba look at you and say, "Hmm, hmm," right? Mm. Then he got okay that day. Hmm. Yeah. And this was so, in uh, 1987. 87. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the spring of 1987. He officially uh, got to All Japan Dojo in June of 1987. And he didn't even have golden rookie debut. He, the, his first match was December of 1987, the undercard battle royal. Is that interesting? He really, he didn't have. Uh, it's very different from Jumbo Tsuruda's debut, for example, or uh, Jun Akiyama. Sure. You know? uh, so yeah. he started from the bottom. Oh, pretty much bottom. Right. Right. And he was trained under Baba, of course. And when Dory Funk came in, Dory Funk Jr. trained him a little bit. And late Haru Sonoda, the magic dragon, he trained him. And some weeks, uh, Masafuchi trained him. So it's like anybody who was uh, in the ring at the time 
might train you. You know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was really nobody rookie kind of thing, huh? And、uh, he lost all of his matches for a couple of years. About a year? Yeah. It was year or two? like 60 matches or something. In a row. Yeah. So he started, but it was relatively quick. You know, it takes usually 10 months to a year for All Japan rookie to、uh, debut, you know. But、uh, he got in Dojo June of 1987. And, and had a first battle royal match you know, in December. Uh, you know, uh, and and the, the very official debut match was following February, February 1988 against late Motoshi Okuma, the second match. You know, Very much undercard, don't you think?、Mm. Yeah. Not the, not the exciting. Part of the show, especially back then, it was just.、Um, yeah, against 45 year old Motoshi Okuma. Yeah. That was the style, though, All Japan. They usually had a pretty、um, kind of slower, yeah, modest yeah. undercard. Unless you're a golden rookie, huh?、Mm. Yeah. And、uh, it was very interesting,、uh, All Japan dojo tradition that、uh, you usually don't have your own tights or ring shoes. This, at the Old Japan Dojo, there's a, a big cardboard box that the, that the veteran or experienced wrestler you know, tossed you know, this, his old trunks and shoes.、Uh, I'm not going to use these tights or the, the knee pad or, or this ring shoes, too old. So I'm not going to use it. Somebody can use it and put them in the box, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, he found blue trunks and Masafuchi's old ring boots. That's what he wore. The blue trunks was interesting one that the, the, it was part of two sets blue trunks and the blue tights, long tights, blue long tights and blue trunks that the Misawa used only six months in Mexico.、Hmm. And he brought it back and he's not going to use it because he was, he was already Tiger Mask, you know, second、That's、Tiger、right. Mask. Yeah. So he had this blue trunks and blue long tights. It was in a box. And he, young Kobashi, 20 year old Kobashi, found this blue trunks. All right, I'm going to wear this. Right.、And、then there's another, you know, like a beat up ring boots that looks like Masafuchi's old boots. All right, I got the costume. That's like almost, like a, almost cute, right? In a way. I mean, he really was not granted anything. He wasn't presented anything or handed anything at the start. He seems... But that's, why, that's what made, you know, Kenta Kobashi, though, huh? That's what made Not him very happy, happy start, you know, but、uh, that's what the old Japan, because it's almost like bullying, huh? A little bit. But it's like a discipline, discipline part, you know? Yeah. And、uh, later on, that,、uh, you know, your character image color will be given, and you have certain image, you know what I'm saying?、Mm-hmm. The, the, But he had spent the whole year in 1988 undercard, right? And, and also, Greg Kabuki at the time told, Bob, you know, told young Kobashi to go wash Baba's in the back, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, one night without any formal plan, that he became Baba's you know, guy you know, to carry his bag, you know? That's a one step forward, huh? That's a big responsibility. I mean, he had to carry Giant Baba's two big suitcases, and, and、uh, while he's taking a shower, he's right outside. And what, what he, you know, if Baba wants something, you know, he'll probably wash his you know, back or like hand towels, or you know what I'm saying? You're almost、he's、like in... their personal assistant. 
Yeah, like almost like a butler, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was but the same for a lot of big wrestlers. They had to do the same. Like at the time, at the time, yes. Even, even yes. like it's Okada a... and Ultimo Dragon, same kind of relationship. Right, it's a Rikidoza and Baba Inoki tradition that carried over sixty years, huh? Mm-hmm. And it's the tradition in martial arts as well. From yeah, uh... I suppose yeah, the disciples, right? Mm-hmm. Same idea. Yeah. Same idea. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So he spent the entire 1988 like that, and Baba saw something in him, right? And there was a, in, a very interesting matchup in 1989, uh, March of 1989 to be exact. Baba decided to tag with young Kenta Kobashi to challenge Asian tag team title. Baba never challenged that title, right? Mm-hmm. So it was Baba's idea to elevate him one, one step. Baba and Young Kobashi challenged Toshiaki Kawada and Samson Fuyuki's Asian tag team title. The ah, Footloose. First... Yeah, Footloose, yeah, yeah. Well, because Footloose was on fire, and uh, he probably needed an interesting challenger. And Baba, almost like a playful, right? That he, mm. Baba himself, 1989 version of Giant Baba challenging Asian tag team title. Wow. But the Koba- that the, his, Baba's partner was then rookie Kobashi. So that will make a pretty interesting match. But it was very special for Kobashi, you know, to have that. Yeah. And following year, you know, that the, he and Misawa's version of Tiger Mask had their first Asian tag team title. So you could tell from Asian tag team title to this, to the singles competition, to going to champions, champion carnival, or the, to compete in a real world tag team tournament in December, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he so, got the rub, uh, though. He got the he got the Baba. Kind yeah, of... finally got the Baba's blessing. Yeah. Yeah, and this is kind of where people might have taken more of an interest in him. Yeah, and at the time he was still wearing that the, you know, the the tights and the shoes that he found at the dojo. You know, mm-hmm. he one night he was wearing red, and Baba told him red looks good on you. Okay, red tights. You know, the, the, he already found it at the dojo, and the blue tights that he had from Misawa. And there was another blue and red trunks with star on it. Probably Jumbo Trudor left it there, right? Does that look like it? It's probably the case. Yeah, yeah. Or or, or young Koshinaka's, you know, uh, Koshinaka's t- trunks or something. Yeah. But anyhow, it wasn't even his. He didn't get this neon color bright orange tights until 1990. And it was at the Tokyo Dome where he started. You know, that Tokyo Dome, 
1990, meaning at the Wrestling Summit. Wrestling Summit with uh, WWF and WWF, New Japan. WWE, New Japan and Old Japan combined shows, you know, Hulk Hogan against Stan Hansen, the Baba Under the Giant against Demolition, the Tenru against uh, Macho Savage. Randy Savage and all these things that the, actually he was, young Kobashi was there too. Isn't that interesting? And that's where the Orange Crush tights came. Yeah, came, came yeah, into- right. So that became his image color rest of the time that he was with Old Japan, all the way to like 2000. So yeah, I guess he wore the neon color, orange bright tights for 10 years then. Yeah. And he liked it. And uh, actually that the idea of neon color, orange tights uh, came from Baba and um, a real famous singer that, What's his name? That from you might know his name. Um, Ch- that uh, Chiharu Matsuyama. Matsuyama Chiharu is a is a singer. You know that who's a friend friend with Baba. It's like nobody's wearing you know neon color or orange. So how about that? And he, Kobashi wasn't sure, but uh, somebody said you would look really good with this orange tights, and nobody else is. actually on the other side in Muto, New Japan. Muto was already wearing wearing. Uh, neon color orange at the time That's but right. uh, what what what's what happens on the on the other side doesn't matter right mm. so in within all, all japan ring nobody was wearing this bright neon orange color ties so that became his and, and kobashis uh, were a little bit more uh they were clearly orange clearly uh, orange right like, muto's had a, a neon flashiness to it it was a slight slight subtle difference Right, right. And wasn't exactly like a white boots either. So uh, Kobashi had a white and orange boots, you know? Mm. Yeah. And that was, that's important, right? And uh, he actually started becoming part of the, you know, 1990 was also the year Tenru and his 15 guys left, went to SWS, Super World Sports, right? And also, 1990 was the year Misawa took off his tiger mask and became Mitsuharu Misawa. Therefore, the new era began, right? Mm. And uh, the momentum was there for new era. And then the Kobashi was pretty ready, you know, to be not, you know, like, uh, to, to be elevated, you know. And uh, yeah. well, he was a natural. I mean, he. Sp- I mean, he wasn't a perfect, uh, perfect version of himself at that point, but. For the most part, the Kobashi we saw in the early 90s is uh, it's an early version of what he'd become for the rest of his become career. Become later on, yes, yes. Yeah. He was oh, pretty, yeah. like like a lot of the other guys from this time period, when they started. Yeah, and then Kawada, no more footless costume, but he became just black and yellow, right? That's right, too. And he yeah. started, he was kind of wrestling almost like a junior heavyweight style a little bit more. Before uh, that, yeah. Before that. Uh, yeah. He... he got serious oh, as i guess well. we have to rewind the tape a little you know about a year or so that uh, when he when kobashi was still rookie he was being uh what do you call it like a punching bag or that uh like a, almost like a guinea pig for two wrestlers that at the time the rookie um akira tawe actually started like two months after kobashi came in mm-hmm. did you know that well, that the, well, Akira Tawe, tall and big guy, you know, but 
like, uh, he was a former, you know, Tamakirin, that sumo wrestler. And there was another sumo wrestler, Isao Takagi. He was Takuetsuyama. And it's like both big sumo wrestler turned professional wrestler. Baba thought those two are going to be something, right? Mm. Akira Taue and Isao Takagi and used Kobashi for the practice in the ring. You know, the Baba's teaching, right? And the both Takagi and Taue throwing drop kicks to Kobashi, doing body slam to Kobashi, doing a brain buster to Kobashi. And Baba said, well, get up, do it again. Get up and do it again. And it wasn't really training Kobashi. Baba was training two big rookies, Akira Taue and Isao Takagi. Takagi later on joined Ten- Tenru's group and pretty, pretty much disappeared after that. But uh, Akira Tau, you know, Taue and this Isao Takagi, two big rookies from Sumo, was like a Baba's project at the time. Mm-hmm. Kobashi was there for like uh, to take bumps, I guess, you know? And uh, yeah. He's a practice that, dummy. Yeah, practice dummy. But uh, he, yeah, Kobashi, per, you know, in person told me about this story because he wanted to tell somebody about it, you know? And uh, all right, it's like a. This is the way it is right now, but it's not going to be like this forever. And he just was telling himself that uh, this is something he has to go through. But uh, he just knew he'll be better than these two. Isn't that interesting? It gives not you a glimpse of the system. The, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. system was tough to get through, especially if you weren't... Uh, like have like a real good am- amateur wrestling background. Yeah, or you needed some kind of inside... Sumo, sumo background or... yeah. You needed something. You needed the background. You needed to have connections. Yeah, more than being a big body wrestling fan, right? Mm. Yeah. But this willingness, you know, and the will. And uh, yeah, Kobashi is very interesting that he was very humble, and very quiet, not being vocal about it, like today's kids might. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that's how you survive all Japan system, sort of, because I believe New Japan Dojo, it's like more of a company. Like you always, you always have more rookies, like ten guys practicing together. But if you only have two or three rookies together, it's like it's completely different environment. You just have to be like a shut, keep your mouth shut, and go through this, and I'll make it. Or a lot of a lot of guys from all Japan Dojo, they disappear at night. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. More Not similar that... to traditional martial arts. Yeah, a lot of rookies do disappear from old Japan. I mean, New Japan Dojo too. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, some don't make once... it through the initial training. The the yeah, the first test. year. Right, right. So then you become young lion, right? But old uh, Japan don't usually don't have that many. You know, like they never have like a dozen rookie a year. You know, they got two or three of them just make it, and some some. Some years they went through five years with no rookies, you know. Yeah, so uh, different kind of yeah environment because you have more older wrestlers around. Yeah, yeah, different environment and it kind of builds a different sort of character. I think so. I think the the four in all Japan and the three in New Japan at that time had different flavor and personalities it was, the nuances were very different and i nuance think is very different right right and all japan is much more uh 
how do how do you explain that gumbot closed society or the oh, family no. i was gonna say there's that too the not the I, I was thinking more about the one way to think about kenta kobashi is to think about the word i don't know it's it's a hard concept to explain but just the word gambaru to do your yeah, best yeah right right stick with it right and that that concept and how deep it runs it just in in, in a way it's very japanese huh and i think yes and it's a good thing and i think that's one of kenta kobashi's maybe one of his strongest points i think a lot of people see and like that in him that gambaru spirit mm-hmm. that he's I, the i'm not doing a good job of articulating i don't think but uh, <laughs> it's okay but no no by going through you know what he has done and what he has you know gone through that uh, i hope we are going to you know be able to really give this this feeling and and, and mm. kobashi's story and uh, he really did become part of the main event package by what 93 yeah mm-hmm. uh, because... i think uh what was it it was either maybe his matches with uh steve williams i think from around that time or or stan 94 yeah he did not yeah he did not challenge his uh triple crown title until like 94 you know Mm -hmm. yeah with steve williams being triple crown champion in in kobashi his first title you know like a major title challenge at the main event of the budokan show that's big big show right Mm. And uh, t- taking Steve Williams' dangerous backdrop driver and then getting up from it, you know. And Steve Williams himself told me that the, this guy has a lot of heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because uh, Steve Williams, as tough as he was, he was never that smooth, high spot, you know, that the uh, wrestler, he just goes out and does his thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes kind of a happens to be a great opponent. match for Kobashi. Yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes happen to be a good match, sometimes just whoa, it's like well, what's that about kind of match. <laughs> yeah, very that, realistic. Oh, very realistic. And again, wrestling has no language barrier that uh, you just go out there and wrestle, you know. And uh, that was test for Kobashi, you know. And uh, actually he, there was a, you know, there was a time that Misawa decided to take Kobashi as his tag team partner. In a regular tag team partner, you know, you would think at the time Misawa and Kawada would be your ideal tag team, huh? You know, around that time period. Well, but he... you said I I want to bring up that was also around the time that they had their first uh, Kawada and Misawa had their first singles match, right? And that's kind of when the rivalry it, began. It, it, it really elevated Kaw- you know, Kawada from being a younger little brother of Misawa to an equal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But where did that leave Kobashi? You know, it left him, unfortunately, not any fault of his own. He's he's behind those two because... Yeah, but the Misawa and Kobashi became tag team partners, and Kawada and, and Tawe became tag team partners. Mm-hmm. It balanced. And evidently, 93, 94, 95, three years in a row, Misawa and Kawada won... I mean, Misawa and Kobashi, I'm sorry. Misawa and Kobashi won... Uh, the, the real tag team tournament in December, three years in a row. No, no other team did that. And among wrestling fans, not just in Japan, but all over the world, 
some of those matches are considered to be some of the best pro wrestling matches period of all time. Those tag team yeah. matches. Yeah. And 94, 95. With old Japan style at the time. It's like, all you got to do is let this person watch the video. You know, you don't need English commentary. You just watch the footage. Mm. You know? Yeah. Although so the commentary up is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nippon TV. Yeah. And also, what was interesting was Channel 4 and TV, Nippon TV Channel 4, is that they bring in the station announcer, not a wrestling person. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. These announcers, station announcers, do other sports like a marathon or, you know, figure skating or the baseball or other sports. So they come in and treat pro wrestling like you're a professional sport, and they really do a, like, professional play-by-play. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not like... Uh, you know they're acting they, they, they get those you know network station sport announcers get excited by watching these guys you know it probably added to the realism of the whole product probably probably yeah you know it's easier and... to to take it seriously when the person on the serious sports cast takes it seriously mhm mhm yeah, yeah. So, and also, it, it was late Saturday night, but uh, people really uh, watched this, you know, that the uh, old Japan Pro Wrestling didn't have very good time slot around that time period. It's like a late Saturday night, you know, like you're talking like 1230 at night, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, but people still tune in and watched and got, uh, you know, like rating point six or something six percent rate i mean during the middle of the night so it's like a was high rate show for the midnight you know time slot and uh yeah so it it was almost like a fixture you know like all watch wrestling before you go to bed kind of thing kind of tradition almost he became and sure enough in 96 he won his very first triple triple crown heavyweight title from akira taue in 96. Mm-hmm. So it took them, you know, like, uh, it started 87, 88. Yeah, yeah, good seven, eight years. You know, we fast forward a little bit, but uh, yeah, uh, he finally got his very first Triple Crown title from Akira Taube. But the, the, it's important. He didn't beat, you know, Misawa for it. He didn't beat Kawada. You know, he beat Akira Taube for that title, you know, mm-hmm. one by one, huh? So that means that that becomes the talking point at the bar after the match. That's well, Kobashi won, but it's Taue, so yeah, it's not it's exactly not Misawa. Misawa or Wada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it's not Stan Hansen. No, 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 Stan. So... You know how many times he got Larry, you know, Larry by Stan Hansen? Oh, yeah, it's it's the famous re- footage there. I remember that he even Stan Hansen laid a lariat into him while he was standing. Uh, Kobashi was standing on the top rope. Just oh, that one! Oh, yeah. It was the end of the match. It was just he took a lot of shit. Kobashi did. Yeah, Kobashi uh, was taking a lot, a lot of yeah, like a, solid moves from everybody, you know. But by '96, I think that's definitely when the fans were 100% behind him. Right, right. Women, and also, women were very yeah, because uh, he's a handsome guy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, younger than Misawa and Kawada. You know, mm-hmm. Tawe never had the vibe. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah. he 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 was he looked 
older than he was. Right, right. He and reminded also, everyone of Baba. Yeah. Yeah, young Baba looking, huh? Yeah, mm. red trunks and all that. Yeah. And around that time period, you know, Jumbo Trula was pretty much gone from the main scene, you know? Mm -hmm. He had, you know, took years off, and uh, he when he came back, he only did tag team match. It was never in the main, main event cluster again. So it was big four era. And following year, 97, Misawa, I mean, uh, Kobashi uh, formed his own faction called G.E.T. Get. Mm -hmm. Kobashi and Johnny is in the Patriot. You know, they're workers. That's right. So, yeah, remember? Get. Johnny Ace and Kobashi had a, a nice tag team run for a couple of years. Yeah, the late yeah. 90s. Both, both. World Tag Team Champion and Asian Tag Team Champion winner. Yeah. Well, see, actually, uh, during his old Japan career, Kobashi won the World Tag Team title like six times twice with Misawa, twice with Johnny S, twice with Akiyama. Yeah. And that, that get, you know, Johnny Ace and Patriot group, that a little bit later on, it became burning, you know, mm -hmm. that Kobashi took uh, Jun Akiyama into his group and formed a new tag team called Burning. And then won the 98 and 99 World Tag Team Tournament. So all in all, he, he's winning like five, you know, five tournaments, you know, the tag team tournaments. So that's up there, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And while he was in Old Japan Pro Wrestling, he won the Triple Crown three times. One time beating Taue, another time beating Kawada. In the year 2000, right before the formation of Pro Wrestling Noah, he beat Vader for that title. That's but right. not once from Misawa. It doesn't happen until Pro Wrestling Noah day. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That was the story, and the, the story seemed to feel... We won't fast forward yet, but it, the story finishes in Noah, not in all Japan, between those right, two. Right, right, right. But the, I remember the, the Vader win being very big. That was a big deal. Yeah. And, and while Stan Hansen was slowing down and he was getting ready to actually retire, you know, was going to give that his position to Vader. Yeah. And um, uh, Kobashi had even changed his look a little bit. He had the goatee. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little bigger. But um, it was turning, you know, the time was moving on and, and Misawa and Kobashi getting... not doing his moonsault, but to start using right arm clothesline. Right arm clothesline. He yeah. started debuting those uh, wild moves like burning hammer. Right, more of a striking. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Because I guess that the moonsault was for the younger part of his career, huh? But he would always bust it out on a special occasion right. or in a big, big right. match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so he really evolved in front of the audience. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was a complete babyface. And if you remember all Japan wrestlers, they don't grab a house microphone and say things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no promo at all. It just, they tell stories with matches, you know, no agitation, no no big promo like you're either babyface or heels. It's just, they just don't do it, you know? And uh, as hard as they, you know, wrestle uh, during the match, it doesn't make any sense if they get up and do the mic. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, because they work until they, they can't stand up anymore, you know? And, uh, yeah. 
It was like Baba was in tears, you know, in his color commentary table. That's right. Like, yeah, he was crying. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. uh, Baba is like the type of person. He doesn't often pat guys back, right? And uh, even if you're doing well, that, that he said he just nods. All right. That, that's the classic style. That's the classic. Like uh, Godfather style? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the style. The, yeah, it's and then it's the, not during, common uh, to praise during lots. the broadcasting, you know, during the, he, the, the during the match, while Kobashi and and Misawa is having this great tremendous match that the that announcer looks at Baba is like Baba's in tears. Oh my gosh, Mr. Baba's crying, sir. It's like, <laughs> well, and Baba's yeah. the one who probably he might have been the first doubter. Kento Kobashi yeah. had, and he, yeah. he really overcame all of that. And that's a real story, mm -hmm. you know. That's a real story. It, Those are the no real st story. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's why it's like uh, it's very, you know, it's easy to believe in Kobashi. Really, you know, all you got to do is watch his match. You know, not a character, but he just his matches and his energies, the way he does things. You know, and probably the facial expression too, but the, it just tells it all. Everything. I think anybody on the planet would see him and they don't need to know any information on him and they would immediately say he's got to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> yeah. He must be. He looks yeah. like, you know, he's a, a classic timeless baby face. Yeah. Yeah. And, and amazing. Never done promo. You know what I mean? Hmm. He might say something very polite at the end of the match, like, thank you, everyone. Thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, yeah. I won thank the title the today. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's about it. Very humble. Yeah. Very humble. Very humble. Yeah. But that's in the match... uh, all, Jap all Japan upbringing kind of thing. Yeah, very, yeah. very humble. Show your stuff in the match and be humble afterwards. N not much need for chatting or long-winded. Mm, no. So it's Promotion. very different. Yeah, it's a, that's a very old Japan style, huh? Mm. And uh, so year 2000, he won both uh, Triple Crown and won the Champion Carnival Tournament. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's probably around then, his peak in his whole career at this point, I would say. I mean, around was... 2000? Yeah. yeah. Then June of 2000, the Misawa and his guys meaning that everybody from him from all, all japan roster but kawada and fuchi and ring crew to uh you know uh ring announcer to referee to everybody pretty much everybody, backstage right? office people everyone. office people too right so to form uh get on uh noah's arc and uh, form forming pro wrestling noah it was misawa's idea you know and uh kawa was a first you know kobashi was the first person yeah and uh, then the pro wrestling noir era starts. The first thing they did was that they changed color, you know. And Misawa didn't change color. It's uh, always, you know, this uh, emerald green and silver. That's his color. But uh, Kobashi's neon orange tie was no more. And then he had these black trunks with purple in it. Remember? That's right. It was like uh, yeah. like the fires going out, the f the orange fire in the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and um, coal, like burnt. Mm -hmm. And and Jun Akiyama's tights you know, from blue to like a silver white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And everybody pretty much changed costume, and people like you know the, the Yoshihiro Takeyama came with him too. You know into That's right. pro wrestling. Or, yeah. Yeah. And even it was the big Vader, 
Scorpio. Yeah, the, the Scorpio. Yeah, they then they went to you know Misawa went to you know Missouri and met with Harley Race and got a guys from Harley Race's camp, you know, World Wrestling League, and brought in quite a few wrestlers. And the guys like Mike Modesty was like from California. Their group mm-hmm. came in, and uh, yeah, for me, that was Bison yeah, Smith. Bison Smith. Yes, Bison, Bison Smith. Well, he died young too, but uh, Bison Smith was like a big rookie too at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it all felt like that crew, that initial Noah crew, felt like they could be another foreign crew for all Japan at that time. It was the same. It looked like the, these guys are all Japan. Yeah, right. It, it was yeah. same fit, same style that you would have sure. seen. So if you like, run yeah, and start running Budokan shows, you know, just yeah. like what all Japan was doing. But the, it's it's written in the book. But the, Mrs. Bob was, you know, the, the stubborn enough that the, no, I'm keeping the company, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, brought in all the independent wrestlers and and got a little bit of help that uh, Muto wanted to work in, you know, that the year 2000 would, you know, and still under Keiji Muto, still technically under contract to New Japan, but the New Japan had an idea at the time that they wanted to buy All Japan, right? Mm-hmm. So they were running combined show like All Japan and New Japan, uh, like a five year too late dream matches, right? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, some were huge, but... some, some were huge. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kobashi, but, uh... Kensuke Sasaki is maybe the most memorable of those. Kobashi and Kensuke that would happen uh, a little actually, later. It was it wouldn't happen until like two thousand five though. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand four was Pro Wrestling Noah's very first Tokyo Dome card. It was uh, Akiyama against uh, Kobashi, and it was uh, the match of the year in the Tokyo Sports Award. Mm-hmm. And the match you just said, two thousand five Tokyo Dome, a second Pro Wrestling Noah's Tokyo Dome showed that uh, Kensuke Sasaki against Kobashi was also a match of the year that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they created, you know, GHC title, you know, Global Honors Championship title. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, sure enough that the Misawa was a very first champion. But uh, it was when uh, 2003 that uh, that Kobashi finally, finally beat Misawa in single match to get the title. That was one of the more memorable calls on commentary, I remember the announcer i think the announcer was again not baba but the announcer was in tears tears yeah and also yeah uh, before 2003 kobashi and misawa had probably dozen single matches right mm-hmm. by then but not one match you know kobashi won but it wasn't until 2003 at the budokan you know that the very initial you know it was still second year but the early stage of pro wrestling in or that the champion uh, Misawa uh, finally meeting Kobashi for the title match at Budokan, and Kobashi for the first time beat Misawa for the title. How many so years would that then, be? That would be. Uh, oh, ever since he was a rookie, yeah. So yeah, more than ten years. More than ten years, yeah, yeah. Well, eighty-eight to two thousand three, so it'll be like more like uh, fifteen years, huh? It's a long time for a story to uh, pay off. So it's that hard to beat Misawa in single match situation. Mm. Yeah. But this run, you know, 2003 to 2005, you know, he, um, he kept it, you know, a GHC title for two years. Yeah. 
But before that, you know, we gotta you know rewind the tape a little bit because now that the, he's you know he had a lot of injuries, you know, between 2001 and between 2002, um, Kobashi had to take a year off with you know both knee operation, like mm. a reconstruction, you know, surgeries. Yeah, the moon salt. That and like years and years of pounding, right? Mm. Yeah. He worked a hard style. That's right. Yeah, and then came back 2002, and uh, the, the comeback match was interesting, that the Kobashi and Misawa against Akiyama and Yuji Nagata of New Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. Then worked for a while. Then he, um, he, then he had another injury, you know, uh, pretty soon that... Uh, uh, it's like he come back and get injured and come back and get mm-hmm. injured, right? So he's that the his body was taking toll, you know. The style he's been doing all through nineties, huh? You know. I mean, and, and these guys were do especially when we talk about hard hitting wrestling. When we think about Kobashi Misawa. Kawada, yeah, Kawada stuff. wasn't involved with his progressing, no, but at the time, yes, yeah. And Jun Akiyama and uh, Akira Taue, of course. And, and the level of violence. Or Tak- Takayama, was in, Takayama was involved, too. And it's not that there's any, you know, like a, your American like wrestling storyline that the, nobody really hated each other. It just had athletic, hard-hitting match, convincing wrestling match, you know. And they were pushing the athletic boundaries too i think some, so some yeah, of those I think guys so. yeah they were suplexing each other off of the apron onto the floor onto the floor yeah i mean it was yeah. very um it was new it, it yeah. went further than new japan was going I mean, new japan it's not like it, new japan was any it was just a different style of it and especially these guys yeah, I think so, so big they're big guys so you have to think that's like there must be like a the the, the certain kind of trust the only wrestlers you know share like a code huh? mm-hmm. deep yeah deep trust and faith in each other to pull off yeah. those kind of matches make sure that this guy can take it you know what i'm saying mm. yeah well they don't try to injure each other they just ended up injuring themselves yeah so it's really unfortunate that the, 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 this kind of injury really happened you know and uh on top of that, 2006, if you remember, that uh, Kobashi had kidney cancer. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was June of 2006, and they really announced it publicly that uh, Mr. Ko- you know, Kenta Kobashi has cancer. He's, he's taking some time off. Then he had surgery, and it took a um, year and six months. Yeah, he wouldn't come back until like 2000, you know, December of 2007. At the same time, while he was rehabbing from this kidney cancer, he had another uh, major operation on his both knees. Yeah. And he did come back 2007 at the Budokan show, you know, Misawa Akiyama against Kobashi and Takeyama. You know, he, you would think you lost a lot of weight, right? While he was rehabbing with cancer and had a major operation on, on both knees. And he, he was gone for like 18 months. Mm. But the, he came back just as big. So he must really worked out where he could work out, right? I, I very much remember the reaction in the crowd 
Oh, the all in tears. It was yeah. pretty. Maybe one of the high, high point moments in Kobashi's career. When I think about, it. I mean, those images you think about when you think Kobashi, those big, big. Yeah, well, moments. people be forgiving if he retired then. You know what I'm saying? Of course, because by yeah, that but... time, the wrestling was in a different state that it was in in the 90s from 90s right but the uh, kubashi said you know may come back and he really did come back that you mm -hmm. know 2007 in december but the, at the time he came back though but the all he did was those signature chops mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying chops yeah. and he'd be in a tag team match and right not, not quite single match situation anymore but it looked like kubashi but he was doing what he could do and that signature Kobashi, you know, the backhand chops. Yeah. Right. It didn't it didn't feel like uh sad, you know, or embarrassing. No, no, was... he was just a, it's okay, take a break, right? Mm. But he was trying to you know give hundred percent to the audience again. And again he got injured, you know, the I think it was like a following summer and took this time he operated right elbow and that the yeah, it's like an elbow injury this time and took another six months off, you know? It's okay, do not come back, right? But he insisted, oh, he'll come back. So after six months in, in the major elbow operation, he comes back like 2010, you know? Then, then, then he gets injured again, have another six months off, you know? It's okay, do not come back, right? Then he comes back like in 2011 again. Then he gets injured and getting seven months off, you know? And uh, he finally uh, make his announcement uh, year 2012, you know. And then, uh, yeah, we uh, he he didn't almost have to have this retirement match, don't you? What do you think of that? Yeah. But, well, like uh, he, you said, I think he, he if he wanted to have retired in 2007, I don't think the uh, maybe it was a great career he had. And there's nothing know? wrong with yeah. It, clocking out in 2007 the, the, he was still it wasn't a point he didn't have a point in his career where he really in dipped in his uh in his talent or his athleticism or health uh, it was yeah. always him and uh so i they, i think the crowd would have been more than forgiving and right but and also that the, we should point this out that the, the summer of 2009 we lost misawa in the ring that's right yeah, so I guess that's how you know Kobashi felt that uh, I'm gonna make one more comeback, you know, because they lost Misawa in the ring, you know. And that was a, a giant shift in the, the makeup of Noah, and yeah, yeah. Oh, well, hasn't been the same since, right? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, progressing Noah is still progressing Noah, but it's a different kind of progressing Noah. That it's just like. Today's New Japan Pro Wrestling isn't Anthony Inoki's, you know, Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Today's Old Japan Pro Wrestling isn't Giant Baba's Old Japan Pro Wrestling. It still exists. But uh, so Pro Wrestling, no, you know, goes on and it, they have, you know, current version of Pro Wrestling, no. But uh, pretty much around this 2009, 2010, I think like a, like a first, like a, that initial era of this Misawa Kobashi uh, version of uh, Pro Wrestling No was over with. And that was that was the yeah. I guess you could use that as the end point. 
that era. Yeah. It was really um, Tao Wei. I don't know. I can't remember how active he was in 2010, 2011. But right, um, and people I, like Maru and Kenta and Sugiura all debuted. You know already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Morishima and Morishima, uh, yeah, uh, Morishima or uh, Makoto Hashi and those people are like in, in the main event cluster, you know, the group. So uh, it was time to move on, huh? It felt like that was the end of that era from like, you know, 92 to about 2010. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then all these rookies like uh, Goshi Ozaki or, uh, you know, Ricky, all these people, were, they debuted with Pro Wrestling Noir, not, you know, not from all Japan. That's right. So yeah. they have a, I think only, a, I think maybe only Marafuji, Kenta, Mus Sugira. Sugira and, didn't even debut with uh, Pro Wrestling. But Ken, uh, the, the, the Kenta was a rookie with All Japan, you know, mm -hmm. like a youngest rookie, like a ring boy rookie. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Kanemaru and, um, oh, yeah, Kanemaru from, Right, they were rookie, yeah. right. Kanemaru was uh, the, the very end of All Japan, yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, Marufuji. Marufuji was like Misawa's favorite from the day one, and and uh, Misawa gave all the all, all tights and you know shoes to Marufuji. So mm -hmm. yeah, so that tradition was there, huh? Yeah, the bloodline is it's still still there. Yeah, yeah. So finally, uh, at, at the spring of nineteen, and I mean uh, twenty thirteen, at the age of forty six. Uh, Kobashi retired finally. Twenty thirteen is like almost like almost ten years ago. You know, it didn't seem like year. You know, ten years ago, but uh, yeah, he really retired for you know for good this time. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but he he didn't necessarily disappear from the business like somebody like Kawada did. She, right, Kawada disappeared on purpose yeah mm -hmm. yeah whereas kobashi stayed uh, a regular uh, part of the scene uh, as yeah yeah commentator promoter uh, guest for yeah, he is a fortune kk company you know, you know company he uh, he runs yeah and he every now and then he, like twice a year he runs his own show mm -hmm. yeah and kobashi was probably one of the very few people who can go to all japan and do the color commentary and go to pro wrestling no and be a guest commentator and he makes appearance at the, some you know different companies different korokan shows and always welcome because he look he walk he walks in like superstar still yeah he carried himself as a superstar he's retired but he still looked like kenta kobashi you know I mean, didn't lose it. It's just he wears suit. You know, he wears suits, but he's just as big and probably bigger than today's wrestlers. Some of the you know today's wrestlers, mm. and, and he looks like star still. Yeah, he looks like himself still. Yeah, he does. Just like the one we talked, you know, that the Masachono's episode from last week. Mm. Yeah, Kobashi is another person. He he still has this you know star presence. And. Uh... As he's gotten older and since he's retired, he's been able to make appearances all over the world, like in the United States, for signings and yeah, and yeah, he's, he's more accessible. And it was a different time in the '90s, so. And also, he's one of the very few, if not only one, uh, Japanese stars that he didn't tour overseas. You know, in like an excursion, like send you out to overseas and spend a year or two and come back as a superstar. You know, like the formula, right? 
there was talk Obash, of, of, of him yeah. doing that, something like, I know WWF did want to do something with him in the 90s. Yeah, and then during the early in the years of Pro Wrestling Nord, like in 2005, he did go to RO, ROH show and had a sing, you know, famous single match against Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. It yeah. felt, you know, it felt like it was a little late. Late, huh? Yeah. That's just, that's how it is. That's no one's Yeah, and during the 90s, you know, the, the, the old Japan wrestler wasn't sent. Misawa didn't have a big of a long tour in America either. He mm-hmm. went to Mexico for like eight months period, and he and he had to come back to be to be Tiger Mask, right? Mm-hmm. Kawada did spend a couple of years overseas though, you know, like but in San Antonio, Texas, or up in Montreal, and you. But Kawada wasn't exactly main event at the time. See, yeah, I always wonder if Kobash toured states in his prime time. Yeah, I wonder how he would have. Uh, I don't, you know, it was a different time period. But do you think he would have been received the same way? But it was decade before the internet or mm. you know st- streaming. It was during the VHS tape era, and also where would he would have you know would have toured because '90s was. In like when he was becoming superstars in Japan, it was Monday Night War era. Mm-hmm. WWF against WCW, and then then the third company ECW. But every everything else was pretty much gone. No territories, no smaller companies. You know, this is different time. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, he never had that. There are a handful of superstars that had a massive reputation in Japan that don't have the same reputation overseas. Like Kobashi, uh, fortunately he, he did have a chance to come over and he's still active within the scene. So he's still in everybody's minds, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. guys like uh, Akira Maeda or Iki Choshu or um, uh, some, even like Akira Tawe to an extent, I don't know if he's talked about, he's, he's just accepted or perceived a different way here than he is in Japan, and I think mm-hmm. it's just it's it's exposure. It was harder to right Expo- different stuff. exposure, yeah. Because uh, if you don't follow Japanese wrestling, they probably don't know the name. Yeah, some American fans only watch major promotions, you know, and that the, the VHS tape traders, yes, but it's not really mass, you know, and uh, yeah. But you have to watch Misawa against Kobashi or Kobashi against Kawada, Kawada against Taue, the, you know, all these, you know, big four plus Jun Akiyama. Those were the great, great matches, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, they had to be in their environment too. So I guess now you have to watch all tapes, yeah, footage from all Japan and the early pro wrestling know, to really know about Kenta Kobashi. But I think of any of the wrestlers we talk about, I think Kenta Kobashi is one of the most timeless types of wrestlers you can watch. You can really watch him, and you don't have to be from any generation to appreciate how and he also, wrestles. I don't think his matches get old. Not at all. You can watch his 1993 match today, and just, you're in awe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything from the early 90s until... You know, around the 2005, 2005, 6, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's good that, that those tapes, you know, exist, you know. 
And uh, yeah, 90s old Japan into 2000s pro wrestling Noah until he got sidelined. He had this two distinctive era, uh, like a peak era, the old Japan, uh, the mid to early, I mean, mid to late 90s into pro wrestling Noah's early 2000s. Mm. Yeah. Neon, the orange color tights era to black and purple uh, tights era. Triple crown era to GHC title era. Mm. So those were his peak years. Yeah. And those are the years that go out of your way to watch those. You know, if you. I think so. I think so. Um, and yeah, like, like I'm just going to reiterate, he's he's timeless. You can watch. Yeah. Uh, he's a type of wrestler. I don't know how to put it other than he always had the answer at the right time. He could do the right thing he needed to do at the right time. And he, he and he's to, there to take it. You know what I mean? He had such a unique energy, like a, a aura almost. It's really easy to get behind a guy like Kenta Kobashi. He's a mm-hmm. natural baby. Natural baby face. Definition of a natural baby face. Natural baby face. Oh, any oh, any yeah. scene. He can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so fundamentally good and sound. I, I kind of don't think he really, you know, felt, you know, was thinking he was babyface. He just was being himself, though. Which actually makes him more of a, a babyface. Baby yes, right. He's As a it's organic. It's organic. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. Oh, very organic. Right, natural. Yeah, so, he, yeah. He never really uh, wavered in his, you know, his personality. He's not like, like last week we talked about Masahiro Chono and he had a transformation and he, his career. And also he's like a cool character. Mm, Very different approach too. Different approach. Uh, Kobashi came from countryside. He came to Tokyo and he became a wrestler and uh, against all odds, he he became such a big superstar, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, he wasn't focused on doing anything special. He was focused on doing everything perfectly and and uh, as strong as he could. Yeah, and then he wasn't exactly a wrestler who could only work against Japanese. He had combina- you know, tag team combination with people like Johnny Ace, Patriot. He had single series of single matches against Stan Hansen. He had single matches with Vader. And with tag team tournament, he had all the you know like a so-called gaijin crew on him right so yeah so he could work with everybody like gary albright you know all these yeah, yeah. it's 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 interesting to think about what else he could have done uh if he were to you know be able to, to go overseas and shoulder. see the world yeah 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 but, it just um, didn't didn't happen that way but uh now that uh, we're closing the year 2022, now I guess we have to go back and watch Kobashi's matches in his prime time. Hmm. Let's do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. yeah a handful of matches. I have to watch it. It's like a, this version of Misawa single match, this version of Misawa Kun, and the, the Kobashi against Kawada match, or this version of Kobashi against Stan's match. And, yeah. And Stan elevated him too, you know, from mm-hmm. like a, treating him like a young guy, treating him like a you know becoming star guy, treating him like equal. And uh, it, I guess he gave Stan longevity too, huh? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. th- uh, he started using the lariat after 
after that match, and that's always a nod to Stan. So it's in him as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Giant Baba was almost against, you know, Kobashi's idea to bring right arm clothesline, you know, as a finish, because add somebody else's and then uh, do something else, like, like uh, jumping neck breaker drop, like you know, what Giant Baba would do in the big matches, mm-hmm. which Kobashi was using in, in his rookie years. Yeah. But you know, I think over time it became one of the defining parts of his matches yeah and his big wins were with that a lot of his big wins were yes. with that and finally kobashi beat stan hansen one two three in the middle of the ring with his right arm clothesline and that was like, big and, yeah that was like a end of an era too also and I don't think Kawada even had a win over Hansen, did he? Stan Hansen, I don't I kinda of don't I don't recall that. Yeah. yeah, so it's another reason why Stan Hansen was pretty important in Kobashi's career. Yeah, and and I think Stan Hansen chose him to you know to be that person. Hmm. I mean nobody beat Stan Hansen one to three in the middle of the ring, right? Very, very uh, very rare. Rarely, yeah. 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 So it was Stan's choice or choosing to do so, yeah. Hmm. So, wow. Kenta Kobashi, yeah. I guess yeah. the homework so, is yeah, to we just, watch videos. We could talk about yeah, we could talk about Kobashi all night long, but yeah. But yeah, he's still you know he's still active. His story isn't really over because he's he's out and about and he's always he's still doing the Fortune KK shows and I, he I, and he's I on think all Japan he might commentary be the only sometimes. person available or only only person uh, that the capable of bringing bringing all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling nor onto same table to do the all-star match or something. He is that kind of ambassador type character. Like Do you the, think? Like yeah. Keiji Muto or, or some Masachono, somebody mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I think he still have major role in wrestling. Mm-hmm. He still has a lot of influence on the scene. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So if we have questions about Kenta Kobashi, where can we reach you, Fumi? Uh, on Twitter, at Fumihikodayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O. How friendly are all right, and on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. That's it for this week. Until next time, happy Thanksgiving. and Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. yes. Take it away. So long from Tokyo. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.